Welcome to HorrorFatal.com, almost live, where sarcasm goes to the movies and snark watches TV, with your hosts, the Horror Fatal and the Diva Mummy. Welcome to HorrorFatal.com, almost live, I'm your host, the Horror Fatal, bringing you this week's horror news, reviews, recaps, and information. As always, I ask you to like, subscribe, or both on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening to this cast on. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy, happy Halloween, Super Shamrock. Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy, happy Halloween, Super Shamrock. for another episode where there will be no news that was the shamrock um commercial from halloween 3 for you old heads that remember that that was i actually like halloween 3 a lot of people don't i really think they should have named it something else because clearly it has nothing to do with michael myers or the whole trilogy or whatever i think if i hadn't watched it in years but i'm pretty sure the only time that they they even mentioned i think they mentioned hanfield but other than that uh has nothing to do with with um the the uh, franchise it's kind of out of place but it's good though in my opinion because i like tom atkins okay so like i said there will be no news only movie reviews and i have three pretty good ones um one's a documentary one's a a Mm, I guess it's supposed to be a part of the franchise. They use the brand, um, the Amityville. And the last one is a foreign one that was imported in to be distributed and will air tomorrow on Shudder. So, let's get the ball rolling. As I laid on the mattress, I, I dozed off. I immediately started feeling like I was dreaming. I had a dream that my son, my eight-year-old son, was standing beside my bed. I remember in the dream asking him why he was there, who brought him there, and how to get there. And I guess I had enough consciousness to know he shouldn't be there. So I immediately woke up, and when I did, 
there was this figure standing beside the bed. Had long arms, skinny like fingers, skinny arms, wings above its shoulders, and its face, I could see dark, large circles where its, where its eyes would be. late in the evening. We're coming around the first curve, and the first curve will be near near a graveyard, actually. And as we come around the curve, we slowed down, and the headlights hit something in the road. What they hit was a, a form. And for a split second, I thought, oh, it's a large bird in the middle of the road. It kind of stands up a little bit. With just one movement, it shot straight up. When it got to that part of the house and went up over the house, you actually could hear it. I stood up, turned around to the back window of the bedroom, and you could see the shadow of whatever this was flying over the field to the back of the house. That was the trailer for our first film, The Mothman Legacy. It um, debuted yesterday on Tuesday. Sorry. I <laughs> anyway, it debuted yesterday on Tuesday on various platforms. It can be streamed. Um, it was set to premiere actually in theaters on September 18th. But COVID, it got canceled. So they went ahead and released it on to the various streaming mechanisms all over the world and again it's called the mothman legacy and it's the story of one of the most frightening american urban legends the legend of the mothman a red-eyed creature seen by some as a harbinger of doom in the 1960s rural west virginia where sightings of the winged demonic beast were first documented near an old mutations dump known by locals as the tnt Many believe that the Mothman to be a 1960s phenomenon, an omen, only appearing before tragedy and disappearing after a flap of sightings in the subsequent Silver Bridge collapse in 1967. But what if there's more? What if the origins of the omen trace back much, much further and go much deeper than anyone realized? And what if the sightings never ended? A case study on the roots of the modern myth in the film features interviews with witnesses of the Mothman and commentary from experts, authors, and the locals. The Mothman legacy gives a fresh take on the terrifying legend of the Mothman creature and the encounters that plagued Point Pleasant, Virginia. Um, it is directed and written by Seth Breedlove. Let's see. Seth Breedlove, I personally hadn't heard of him but that means nothing <laughs> but uh he has done this might be his kind of well she might be it is kind of his thing to do these go find and seek of these kind of monsters he's done um 
the Beast of White Hill. He's done Bigfoots. Um, he's looked for um, UFO sightings on the trail of um, UFOs. The Boogie Creek Monster documentary. So that's what he does. He goes and finds these urban legends in these um, where my neck of the woods from 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 Alabama. We call them tall tales. So he goes and looks for is there any truth to any of these things. I like this kind of shit <laughs> because like I just said I am Southern but the Mothman is Appalachian I'm not Appalachian but um, I'm Southern so we have all these things there's something called a scapegoat thing supposedly that um, hunts the the swamps and woods of Alabama yeah <laughs> I don't know I don't I'm not, I don't I'm not a nature girl so I'm not gonna go look but I'll entertain the notion. Anyway, this um, documentary, The Mothman Legacy, it gives a really good uh, history and origins of this from the region of Appalachia. They bring in the Indian folklore, the tales of how the, um, they even go back as far as to tell how that part of the region got settled with the German and the English settlers. And they even briefly discuss the Native American and French War that went down and um the biggest component of it is they discuss John Keel who wrote the Mothman prophecies now I don't know how much you remember but the Mothman prophecies was uh, a book or is a book and it's also a movie that starred Richard Gere from back in the early 2000s I want to say like 2002 and it kind of not verbatim it wasn't a I, I don't I wouldn't consider it a biography of John Keel but it's really really based on his work that he he done when he went to actually look and see if there was a Mothman um and the director Mark Pellington who who directed the Mothman prophecies is also in the legacy documentary here where he he tells of he kind of chronicles his work with uh john keel a little bit and richard had him actually wrote the screenplay for the mothman prophecies and they they discuss all of that in this film as well um it was really interesting because i don't want to give the complete movie away because once again i always want you guys to watch it but I didn't know, but the EPA, the EPA, which is the Environmental Soil Protection Agency, they actually went into the area in the 80s to do a cleanup because of that area that they mentioned in the in the trailer. The TV, the TNT, was so contaminated with chemicals that they actually kind of thought that's what it was. The vapors from the chemicals had kind of seeped into the air and was causing these these uh, cloud formations and all these things to you know be cloudy in the sky where that's what they were seeing and not this not the mothman um but you know that to me that kind of that explanation made no sense and i'm one of those people that believe that area 51 exists <laughs> i do I, i'm sorry i know it's a little nutty but i do believe it so are we really going to trust the epa to be honest or whatever <laughs> just saying but always listen to the epa always listen to the cdc even though a certain president's try to take the bite out of it they're trying to save lives anyway um 
but they even came up with their being you know they discussed the theory that there are different birds that they're actually seeing hybrids of like maybe the crane or the thunderbird um is what they're seeing and not actually this creature that they see that they claim to see what i was struck with was um all the personal sightings the people that were telling their personal sightings they were normal people i know when usually when you there's investigation of these kind of things we all, they always try to make these people out to be crackpots you know crazy people but these are just normal regular people and their stories are believable now not saying that what they saw was actually a thing like not saying that there's actually a mothman um groupthink is powerful you know um but this this is a very balanced uh documentary because they like i said they do present the theories of what it actually could be whilst talking to these people that have actually seen it so it is on all streaming mechanisms right now however you stream your films or um, dvd i mean not dvd um video on demand um i recommend it if you're especially if you're interested in the mothman and you believe it it um or just interested in it like i i was it's it's a it's a well presented documentary and will you walk away 100 percent convinced no will you walk away 100% not convinced no but it does a really good job of giving you the origins and like I said the history of the region um backstory on John Keel and even backstory on how the movie came to be I'm gonna it actually made me want to go back and rewatch the Mothman prophecies which I hadn't watched in a long time but at the time I, I was um I liked the movie I don't even I don't think it was like a huge hit per se um, I think it did okay because it had Richard Gere and um, Laura Lindley who are, you know, pretty big stars. So Deborah Messing made Deborah Messing was in it too. I think I don't remember <laughs> for sure. It's been a long time, but um, I would recommend that you check out the Mothman Prophecies. It's a pretty pretty thorough documentary. I miss you a lot. I'm so lost without you. Hey! Hey, I'm locked in! Stay with me. This is Christine Weingarten. I'm pleased to present our gentleman here. If you'd like to state your name for the camera. My name is Vincent Miller. I'm opening my doors to you all to film here. And I'm here to document my family's history, their involvement in the Civil War. In this house. I can't explain this. I hear you great. Nothing from him. Evil is everywhere. The last place Long Island was actually seen is a funeral park. Trapped. Ask me to take your pain. I will give you a world without sufferings. Hungry. There is definitely something weird here. We're gonna find it. When darkness gets in. Come, my precious. No one. Grab your phone. Let's get the hell out of here. Now. 
gets out alive. <laughs> Sadie Katz, Paul Logan. I only wanted to tell my story. The Amityville Harvest. That was the trailer for the Amityville Harvest, which is now out on demand and on DVD and most streaming platforms. It is directed and written by Thomas J. Churchill. It stars Jan Birch, Kevin Bradley, Ashley Cocho, um, Eva Serge, Michael Sinlevantis. Uh, let's see. Thomas J. Churchill makes an appearance. Um, Ashley Cruz, Eileen Detz, Rufus Dorsey, Philip Dye, Michael Gallio, um, Sadie Katz, Paul Logan, Kyle Lauder, Patrick Mordoring, and Anthony Richard Palagrigio. I think I got everybody. Um, John Array also played um, Janet. I want to say I got everybody. I think I got everybody this time. Oh, and I forgot um, George W. Scott, who plays Otis, and Brandon Allen Smith, who plays Cosmo. I hope I got everybody. I'm, I'm trying. So it was a pretty good cast for a relatively small movie. Um, Now, what I hate when people do is when they're reviewing these smaller movies and they go really, really hard. I hate that. Don't do that. Um, This is a... It's a, it's a a smaller budget movie it it was backed by Lionsgate but Lionsgate Entertainment which is not the big Lionsgate that um puts out Tyler Perry movies it's not th that big big shebang it's the smaller little subsidiary um and I want to say to people that go hard on movies smaller movies like this that's not what these are you're not gonna they don't have the huge budget that they give to the larger big studio movies so when they are able to even pull off anything and, and do it in a way where you know it's a movie you have to give them props for it um so the Amityville Harvest Harvest I don't know why I keep wanting I want to call it the Amityville Horror <laughs> but this is not that um while staying in an aging manner to research its liquor smuggling history, Christina and her documentary video team interviewed their spooky host, Vincent, but no one can capture his image or voice on video. After shocking dreams and bloody encounters, the crew members fall under Vin Vincent's hypnotic spell. Can Christina and her sister stave off Vincent's dark magic and survive Amityville's deadly harvest? Um, okay. So what this is is it's another kind of based on um, we're gonna go we have this reality show kind of thing this documentary and we're gonna go this old creepy house <laughs> and document um, this guy Vincent who wants to tell us his story because he is a direct descendant of people that fought in the Civil War. I'm not real sure what the Amityville tie-in was. I guess creepy house. Or whatever but that it was uh, I guess it and it's supposed to have taken place in and around Amityville that's that's the connection I think um what this suffers from is a cluster of a lot of ideas there were vampires but then there are uh, ghosts 
I maybe the, I wasn't I I couldn't decide on whether the ghosts running around were the familiars for the for the vampire which is Vincent. There was a lot of that. There was um a couple of if you got if you died in the house, you were trapped in the house. There's that going on. That's that kind of element. Um it was just a lot going on. Um I follow Thomas J. A. Churchill on Instagram and he follows me back. I'm I'm pretty sure so I'm in bias, so I'm not I'm not gonna like I say, I don't like when people go really, really hard on smaller films anyway. You shouldn't, because they are smaller films. This to me read as somebody uh Churchill is a true fan of horror and he wants to make horror movies and he wants to he has a love of the genre you can just tell it everything i think he threw in everything he likes there were, like i said there's vampires there were these ghosts that were medical experiment looking ghosts or whatever then there were some civil war ghosts running around it was just a lot every, i think everything that he he likes about horror movies he he put into the film um so i got a little cluttered for me in my personal take I couldn't keep up what what was going on I was like okay so the Civil War ghost is because Vincent um, I guess was alive during the Civil War and I guess maybe that's when he the era when he was made um, it was just a lot I didn't I still don't quite know why he was why the house and the Vincent is harvesting these people I don't know to what end. More people, the more merrier ghosts in the house. I could. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know what 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 the point of that was. Um, like I said, it was very ambitious, but amb ambition on a budget kind of um, happened to this movie. Um, I got kind of confused. The Vincent character, he's using telepathy, but again, because there's a budget limitation, I couldn't. Uh, you can't really distinguish when he's telepathing something to the person or is he talking it got confusing um there's some cgi that uh, i think probably was a bad choice um in there it just didn't look really good i think i don't know i'm not a i'm uh, you know i'm only a critic those who can do critique, I mean, those who can do do, and those who can critique, critique or whatever. Um, it was just, it, it was just a lot. There, uh, you won't get too invested in any of the characters living or dying because they're all kind of not that great, and they're not fleshed out enough for you to care one way or another. Um, the the two uh, final girls, if you will. Uh, you get a little bit of the backstory, but not a whole lot, and I think that might have been uh, maybe a time constraint. I'm not sure. It only runs an hour and 33 minutes, which I'm always happy when um, directors make that decision to make it the shorter the better. Just get the story going and get it out there. Um, yeah, I, ju I just it, it's it's like I said. I think it, if anything, it, it suffers from somebody that's a true horror fan. That was kind of throwing in everything that they liked. Um, other than that, it's it's. I get where he was going and what he was trying to do. Put it that way. Um, again, it doesn't have a huge budget, so don't expect that from it. 
but if you have access to um i think this will probably be on prime eventually if you do have a, a prime account i would say check it out you know um but uh you know i think that like i said when it, this type of film just suffers from having limited access to things i think if it ha if he had the more people to work with and you know a bigger budget it could be a little bit better but um yeah so just it is just a confusing um cluster of a lot of ideas but That was the trailer for our final film of this particular episode, 32 Masasana Street. Um, or in Spain, it's Masana 32. And I'm going to warn you right now, I'm going to fuck up a whole lot in these name pronunciations. Because as you might have heard, I am Southern. I'm a Southern girl transported to LA. And I will slip back into my Southern tongue really quickly when it comes to pronouncing other um languages i don't do well <laughs> i took german as pregnancy as kleiner deutsch <laughs> that i can do really easy but the um spanish it it no it just doesn't work out this was written masiana 32 was written by Al, i mean was directed by albert pinto and written by ramon campos Gemma uh, negro david oria and salvador s molina it stars Okay, Bernardo Vargas, Ivan Marcos, B. Segura, Sergio Castellanos, and Jose Luis de Macaria, and little Ivan Rafanado. Um, and it is my favorite movie of a haunted house, a haunted place ghost story that I've seen this year 
as if you are a reader of my blog or listener to this podcast you know homegirl loves a ghost story and i love a haunted house big fan of um burnt offerings amy deville horror the original one and the remake with ryan reynolds i actually like that version um as well the orphanage um big fan of guillermo del toro who um does his films like this really really well and this was really really good um i mean it's really really good and what this it's the story of um, a family a poor family that they leave the country side of um and move to madrid the big city hoping to have a better life and a better um life they they buy this apartment in the city in this apartment building and they get um i think the father's working at looked like to me a a place that maintains maybe the buses for the city buses and the mom gets a job at the department store and they have three children they have a, a older girl that's 17 and i think the son's probably about 16 then they have a little kid who's about five and they move into um they buy this apartment they take all their worldly savings and which i hate when it happens um and they buy this apartment in madrid the previous owner that lives there we see um the opening scene don't want to spoil you but the opening scene is where this little boy these two little boys are coming home from school and this the one little boy loses his marble and it rolls down the stairs and rolls into this lady's apartment miss carla the old lady as they call her and apparently she's creepy to them <laughs> from the jump you know um all neighborhoods and houses kind of have that kind of story where that creepy old person down the street or whatever same thing um kind of and me personally kiss the marble goodbye but this little kid goes in and chases his marble and he goes into this apartment where this lady proceeds to die right uh die in front of him i'm sure he's scarred as hell <laughs> wherever he was but um four years later the realtor finally is unloading this apartment and didn't bother to tell these people that the lady had died in the house isn't that always the way isn't that always the way i think there's an actual law in california where they have to disclose that kind of thing to you i'm, I'm pretty sure um this movie borrows from a lot of things um amityville the exorcist poltergeist and i don't want to spoil you but this is a spoiler of the crying game if you watch the film that will make complete sense to you later but anyway um let's get into it um an old lady like i said she passed away in her apartment the realtor doesn't bother to disclose this to the family and you know the family has moved like i said to the countryside they're poor they you know took their life savings to buy this apartment so they even bought the they they came with just the clothes on their backs and a few suitcases they took the the apartment as is um she they left uh nobody came and claimed any of the old lady's things all her things are there the only thing that's taken away from the house apparently is the body not the spirit but the body they she's left clothes furniture everything the original beds the the pots the pants everything is the old lady the old deceased ladies um 
in the first night, the very first fucking night, things got really fucking freaky, you know? Um, some sort of entity shows up and starts messing with the little boy. And he winds up, like, sitting on the ledge <laughs> of, like, a really high-up apartment, by the way. It's very dangerous. And um, they bring their grandfather with them, kind of burnt offering style. That's another film, I guess, that it kind of borrows from. Because, you know, the lore is that old people, because I guess because they have one foot in, one foot out of the grave or whatever, they see entities and ghosts and all that stuff quicker. And you know how I feel about little kids. Little kids will fuck up your shit every time. Um, but, uh, you know, early in the film, he, the grandfather's like, your dad shouldn't have bought us here. He should not have bought this place. And he basically just foreshadows everything that's going to happen in the film. Again, I don't want you to, I don't want to spoil you. I want you to watch it. But they do flee Amityville style. Remember Amityville where they finally leave the house or whatever. But in this particular case, they're stuck. They have nothing. They have n nothing at all. No money, nothing. They cannot lose their equity um, that they have in buying this place. Um, so I like that because that actually gave, you, you get the reason why they're stuck in this fucking house. You don't usually get that. In these movies, you know, you're just like, fucking move. But this is plain and simple. It's not simple. They're going to have to go live in their car. They have nothing. They, um, just nothing. Um, they do try to do an exorcism. This is in Spain, by the way. It's a Catholic country. So, you, you would think that they would just bring in a priest. They didn't really take that route. There's another route that they take. Kind of, um... Like I said, poltergeists, there's kind of a Tangia kind of lady style cleansing that they try to do for the apartment so they can't stay. And there's an amazing twist. I did not see this twist coming. I thought it was so fucking fascinating and well done. Well done, um, Ramon Campos and Gemma Arnira and the other two writers that I don't want to fuck up your names. Um... It was short. Again, it was an hour and 44 minutes. They got that shit over with. They told the story. Um, it, it, is it slow? I, I, the pacing could have ran a little quicker. Um, I think that they did a really good job of making all the backstories are reasons and why they're here why they why they're stuck here and what's going on why the entity is bothering them they tie up all that really really nicely um it's also really gorgeously shot it looked like it was 1976 on screen the the colors and stuff that he that i they chose it had that vibe to it you really would believe that this came from 1976 right um, I thought that was really, really well done. Um, it had a satisfying ending, which is also very rare <laughs> these days. Where, because you know how I feel about that. I don't want to fucking finish your film. I don't want to finish writing for you. I think that shit's lazy, and it's tired at this point. Especially when you give us an open ending and there's no explanation for why it's open ending. Draw, draw your own conclusion. I don't want to. I don't want to finish your work. Um, <laughs> so this was this had a satisfying ending. They connected all the dots, so it made it really, really, really a nice um, small film.
well done Shutter for procuring this um, it's gonna air, start airing tomorrow on Shutter and I'm gonna write a more cogent review at some time at some point um, I'm really busy with my day job right now we're in the middle of production for my magazine so ah, yeah um what else do I want to tell you about this movie I couldn't have liked it in one it it had uh, if you uh, listened to the last episode where I will give larger films when they have a whole team of writers and a whole team of directors and a big ass budget and you just don't get the job done now I'll go in on you but like I said in the previous review when it's a small film and you're working with a limited budget a limited staff I'm not gonna go in on that this film does what Blythe Bly Manor tried to do where there is a there are character studies in this there are um, things about this character these characters and these people and their lives previously that seep into this which it should that's that's how you do it you know you have to make us care about these characters but they managed to do that and still make a fucking horror movie and not whatever the hell Bly Manor was last month I mean last week um this 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 team did a really really good job um this is a this is a ghost story this is a ghost story god damn it this is a haunted house and i liked it i really really did i cannot sing its praises enough it looks like to me that it has it only has a 5.4 rating on imdb and i just question whether these are horror fans because like i said if you're a horror fan and you're a fan of a ghost story in a haunted house this is some good shit so i don't know what fucking movie they're watching <laughs> um yeah there were you know there were cliches it's a fucking horror movie of course there is but um i will i do have a i do have a critique too many jump scares don't overdo that watch that but um the first couple are really effective but uh they kept doing that <laughs> around every corner. Woo! Don't do that. <laughs> um, I did say it was an hour and 45 minutes. And maybe 10 minutes could have been shaved off. <laughs> just just a little bit. Um, but other than that, I do. And there's one more thing, too. Um, I kind of feel a little bit about there's a, a brother in there the middle brother um <laughs> which is interesting he plays Pepe Sergio Castellanos um, plays Pepe he's the middle brother and they kind of treat him as a middle child <laughs> um, Pepe goes missing and nobody where's Pepe nobody mentions him or whatever he's he's dealing with some creepy shit too of his own but um I don't know. I, I I always question underused character, but I I guess he he has a purpose, but they they kind of forget about him a little bit. Um, maybe they meant to because he is the middle child. But thirty two Masano Street, as it's called on Shutter, it starts airing tomorrow, which is Thursday, October twenty second. And this is my review. I say watch it. If you have Shutter, watch it. And for the 130th time, I gotta talk to my guy about getting a trial code <laughs> for you guys. But um hope I didn't spoil you too much. I tried not to give away 
there I really want you guys to tell me what you think of that twist ending DM me on Twitter or um, hit me up on the, the old blog or um, email me let me know because I really really want to know what you guys thought that is the review for 32 Mile on the Street airing tomorrow on Shudder alright you guys we've come to the end of the road <laughs> that is the end of this particular rambling episode of Horfatel Almost Live I would ask you to follow me on Twitter at Horfatel on Instagram at the Horfatel and I want to say cheers y'all and have some sweet nightmares until next week What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? When we all fall asleep, where do we go? Come here. Say it, spit it out. What is it exactly? Your pain is the amount cleaning you out. Am I satisfactory? Today I'm thinking about the things that are deadly. The way I'm drinking you down like I wanna drown, like I wanna end me Step on the glass, staple your tongue uh, Bury a friend, try to wake up uh, Cannibal class, killing the sun uh, Bury a friend, I wanna end me Expected me to make you my art and make you a star and get you connected. I'll meet you in the park, I'll be calm and collected. But we knew right from the start that you'd fall apart because I'm too expensive. Your talk would be something that shouldn't be said out loud. Honestly, I thought that I would be dead by now. Calling security, keeping my head held down. Bury the hatchet or bury your friend right now. Sell my soul Cause I can't say no, no I can't say no Then my limbs are frozen My eyes won't close And I can't say no I can't say no Careful Step on the glass Staple your tongue uh, Bury a friend Try to wake up Where do we go?